welcome to Fallout Podcast episode 97, aka Where Are the Obligatory Excuses? It is a fall, futile fall showdown. All 525 songs going head to head. Now in round two, with just a mere 256 songs left. Ultimate Shakedown. Two eras, 77 to 93 and 94 to 17. Thank you to Annotated Fall Fuel, Reformation Sight, Oh Brother, Puritans Falling Five and All, Then What Fall Tonight. Das Catra versus Distilled Mug Art, Twister versus The Classical, and The Joke versus Mad Men, Ing, Dog. Joined as always by Pippington Billy Willie Rugby. How you doing, Pip? I have never felt better in my life. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Pemberton S. Walker, how are you? Hello. We sponsored that with a, a very old, obscure jingle. I'm half asleep. Very good. Why um, was that from? It was like the uh, Wide Awake Club, but it was the. They, they did it was some. Mike Myers? Yeah, yeah. It yeah, was it was Mike the... Myers, the was it a Fast Asleep Club. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Half a club. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I remember that. It was before he was Austin Powers. Wasn't it? Yep. Not joined by uh, Ezra. He's off into the woods. Coward. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've just come down with the cold. <laughs> um, and and maybe joined by uh, the marquee tiny Tim Twatwa from the other side. Oh, are we? yes. He's not going to miss out on this kind of escapade, no. is he? Um, now... Before we get into it, as soon as we don't have a guest, we're going to do a little bit of a, a futures and past, and we're going to um, look at an album that we've mentioned a bunch of times throughout the show already, which is the Kenny Everett's worst LP in the world, uh, which has some pretty strong four connections. But let me uh, have a bit of a listen. Let me play a few tracks from that. Hey, whilst you're just queuing that up, I wasn't allowed to watch Kenny Everett. Right. Right up. I've I've only watched like about three Kenny Everett's uh, sketches in my life. So when you started popping stuff up, that's why I was on Spotify before <laughs> trying oh, to find yeah. Kenny Everett's stuff. So yeah. I, 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 I say his radio stuff to his TV stuff. Oh, we the only household love Kenny Everett's TV show. It was definitely I, I, every week we would watch it, and um, yeah, couldn't get enough of that priest with the big hands and um, him dressed all in leather. It's like uh, <laughs> we loved it. Can't get enough. Stupid stunt. Let's yeah, exactly. Russia. So anyway, for a bit of context, he had this radio show on Capital Radio and he, he reached out to, uh, I guess, the audience for the worst songs ever. And I think they had three or four episodes, um, three or four uh, collections of them. And eventually they were uh, put together on an album on a uh, vomit green vinyl, apparently, on the Yuck Records, which actually KTEL, the uh, budget label. But... As we know, one man's meat is another man's murder. Let's have a listen to uh, some of these. Oh, 
make and urge me not to be too slow. This was the I had to have a listen to this before we started. This is one of the worst things that I've ever fucking heard. Well, it falls into a few categories, doesn't it? Like the obviously mad stuff like that legendary Stardust Cowboy one that we've just had, which is screaming. There's a couple of them. And then there's these smaltzy ones, which are the spoken mode ones. We have a real soft spot. All the Jim Reeves stuff, I love it. And like all about ghost soldiers and this stuff. But this is like Smoltz taken to extreme. This is Pat Campbell, the deal. But it's like, it's the implications of this song are so terrifying. This kind of murderous god is just going around. I, I mean, like, I mean, if we're going to get into controversial issues this evening, it's like, if you have to take somebody, <laughs> um, hold on a minute, you have to take somebody. I thought you were in charge. <laughs> Oh, for a long, timeless moment, I stood there, staring at him in shock and disbelief. I mean, how could I tell him to save my wife or save my child when they both mean the whole world and every child? I just knelt down on the floor. Oh, you must love them an awful lot, Lord. Maybe even as much as I do, because... Not necessarily seeing the logic there, Pat, but continue. You can't make up your own mind which one to extend your welcome hand to. Now, I know I never asked for very much, Lord, but if I could make you a deal, well, I guess you know what it would be. Let them both live their lives and... So we heard Legendary Status, Cowboy Paralyzed. We had Pat Campbell, The Deal, and Mrs. Miller's A Lover's Concerto. Now, obviously, by the standards of today, this is normal. But back in those days, in 1977, it was shocking. Anything to say on, on Everett, the album, or none of this stuff directly influenced um, any of the, the false stuff. But of course, you can. it was in the air, the kind of tongue-in-cheek nonsense and the, the trash strata. Well, I, yeah. I showed that other clip of, I think it's Patton Dan's laughing or something with... Uh, Rowan and Martin's laughing, right? Yeah. yeah, that is so funny, that clip, because it for me, it's like, well, it's it's almost like pure outsider moment, isn't it? With legendary status Cowboy trying to do his thing, trying to show some integrity and just this institutionalized comedy show, just, just trying to ridicule him and the, the, the immovable force and the immovable object or whatever it is. Well, also that really like Rowan and Martin kind of showing themselves as being the wacky kind of out there kind of people. And then somebody who is that wacky and out there just kind of blows it at them. I mean, then there's the themes we come back to, right? It's like we yeah. keep thinking that the fall's normal and we're putting people, and then in the middle of it, you're like, oh, hold on. <laughs> I think I started venturing into the into the cover of Blue Christmas this week because our, our Kieran was talking about Shaky, and I was like, oh, hold on. 
<laughs> they lack context. What about you, Yeah, yeah about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, uh, the ledge, there was a gig, um, Radio 3 recording, and they played it like late night kind of thing. That was pretty cool. And uh, it was at the end of it, uh, the, the guy who was the... Um, presenter of the program just kind of like made an announcement which was like yeah and at the end of the performance legend star just cowboy was wearing nothing but a pair of gold sequined underpants and a big cowboy hat <laughs> we'd really nothing less it is brilliant oh, so... in the 70s but at that point and, okay. yeah this this the, the more institutionalized those values the more it stands out because some of those songs on that record i was like I'm not really sure if they're actually that strange. Even the, you know, I'm going to Spain. His voice is weird and the lyrics are silly. In post-indie music, it's like, um, it wouldn't. <laughs> is, is it? Is it? It's also a bit, a bit sort of like uh, the 90s. There was a lot of like crate diggery type stuff going on, wasn't there? I mean, everything post nuggets, really. It's, it's, we, our uh, experience of popular music has been curated a lot more, hasn't it, than the original experience when these things came out. So it's, it is a bit, we are a bit more uh, sophisticated in our weirdness, I guess. We? we just got more range, right? It's not a surprise. You mm. know, you think about, I remember reading about the, the Beatles, like with, you know, Lennon and, and Harrison having like a single LP and going across town to each other's houses and like people, someone would get a blues record. And so, so when you got something that was like as weird as this, I can imagine, but now it's a Spotify playlist, you listen to all of them and you're like, oh, you know, but um, we have we been diminished in our ability to to see nonsense? Let's have a bit of a Internet listen. Ruined everything. I think it made it better. It, 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 took, it took commitment, it took legwork to find these things. Nowadays, click the button, rubbish. There's a bit there's a bit of a thing like that that happened with punk though, wasn't there? Because it's like when the DIY aesthetic like kicked off, it allowed anybody who wanted to and had the energy to to make a record. And so there was a big flurry of stuff, but that's not so there's lots of good stuff in it, is there? And it's the same with like electronic music as well, when anyone could get a synthesizer and put a put some music out. It's like the it opens it up, so there's loads of stuff, but it just means there's loads of shit to braid from. That, yeah, and, and that nostalgia thing, the look back bores of like you had to go out and search for it and hard work and that bullshit. You know, I'm hearing now when I'm on the internet, I'm getting kids who were like who were born in like the early 90s who are now nostalgic for LimeWire and for you know Napster and all stuff. And oh, back in them days, you had to search, <laughs> and it's like. Uh, same thing. Look back, Boris. Let's have a listen to um, some stuff that was more connect to our good friends. Well, put Steve Mighty Bent Fox. on, you know, you want hey, to. Uh, no, right. It's, it's a bit fair, right? When you get you want to make the look back, Boris thing. Yes. I, right. I've just never fucking embraced any kind of like technological advance with this kind you know, of shit. I hated CDs, still hate CDs. Anything beyond that, I kind of like. I could put up with mini disc and that's about it and they still use that but it's not look back boss it's i'm stuck in my fucking wares that's true but there are people that are not as committed as you alistair to to your ludditeism and mm. those those are the those are the people i'm really going at. i'll give you i'll give you a, an out i messaged steve bent this morning on facebook to see if he wanted to do uh, an interview with us but he hasn't got back to me yet let's have a listen to i'm going uh, to spin I'm 
Yeah, we heard um, we heard the brilliant uh, original "I'm Going to Spain" by Steve Bent, and uh, then "Nervous Nervous Transfusion" both off record, and then of course Smith and Ed Blaney covered "Transfusion" a couple of times. Once we had the acoustic version, which I think was somewhere in Holland uh, again in 2009, when I think they must have gone on Copenhagen. tour. Copenhagen, Copenhagen, which is in Denmark, I believe. Um, and it's bloody then expensive. It's bloody expensive, though, Matt. It's the Nordics, isn't it? Brilliant. And then again in Malmo, Sweden, they played, uh, yeah, the Blaney and Smith European tour. And that's quite a really a nice version of Transfusion, a big stomper that I've not heard them do before. Of course, people have likened Transfusion to Roush Rumble as well uh, along the way, but I'm not sure if I quite see it. Anything else to add on on um, the influence of this Kenny Everett LP to uh, The Mighty Fall? No. Now, let's move on. It says something about your playlist when the song that's about uh, the dangers of nuclear and nuclear radiation is the least controversial song on the playlist. Um, but uh, if you don't mind, Pip, if you could hit What's us that? with... What's on about nuclear radiation? The caterer. It's about it's nuclear radiation. It bloody is. I'll make that case very strongly, very soon. Dad will keep you warm, and man will keep her warm. 
And oh, hang on, that's uh, that's the post Neely man, isn't it? That's yeah. not the fall. Petra with a C. Petra with a C. Let's see what else we've got here. Let's get the right one. Hang on, that's free range. Oh, he's bloody done it again, honey. He's done it again. Come Hang on, on, mate. Sort it out. Third time. Third time. Look. Chicken and chips off the bone. Pippin, <laughs> as is customary, take it away. Well, I feel it feels fitting to start with a giggle, uh, given this is one of the songs that I've been back and listened to what we said last time, and it's very amusing to listen to Ezra laugh for about five minutes solid without getting any comments out. Um, the final version there that we were listening to on the Unutterable is quite short, isn't it? It's only a couple of minutes long, mm. uh, which is the first thing that jumped out at me. It's, I had to keep going back and listening to it this week. It's, it, it felt like I blinked and missed it a few times. Um, bit unusual getting Smith on the automatic double tracking on his voice. You don't hear that very often, although we would hear it more often in the years that followed this, wouldn't we? Things like Monsoon mm. felt and stuff. Um, when you, I was looking at the the credits, and we're we were having a bit of fun at the start, though, weren't we? Playing some, you know, a few false starts. But they the as it sounds to me on that record now, it's they've he's had some kind of bare bones of a track, hasn't he? And uh, then he's got funky side to play over the top of it and get uh, Julia Adamson to drop a bit of her electronic magic on it as well, and it livens it right up. It's it it fits well on the album, won't it? So and the um the it's it's a good end to that album. Um and there's some lyrics in it. I mean it's not just the chicken and chips off the bomb, but it's uh, the the there's a lot of pro tooling going on, I think, with these uh, with these vocals, but it's uh, there's there's some excellent drops. Chicken and chips. Uh, it's now the weird thing is because the free range is is clearly played over the free range backing track now. Funky Side wrote Free Range, like all the synths were done by him, but it was several years earlier, and he's well gone by this, but he's out the band by three or four years by the time this is done. So if he's just straight over the top of the um, of the backing track, but but Julia's added stuff, and like some, especially when you listen to the post nearly man, the caterer, is a, again, it gives an idea that maybe she was the one who made the stuff on Panda, Panda Panzer as well, because there's a mm. lot of connection in all those sounds. Uh, it's great. I mean, I, I, I actually 
Free range has grown on me a lot. I was never a big fan of it, but the more we've listened, but I still prefer this. I think this is a better use of that backing track. And the and um, a couple of people in the notes have mentioned, you know, kind of rhythm albums, you know, in in reggae, it's very common to, to do an album where you get 20 different vocalists and they all sing over the same rhythm and they all, the same backing track and they all make different songs. And that's really interesting. Oh, right. And it's, um, so it's, it's quite a common thing to... And when you get into those, you're like, wow, yeah, actually, you know, even a single backing track, you can do like a really diverse things with it. And it's totally possible um, to not even notice really that these are the same backing track. It's like when you're singing the ABC song and someone tells you it's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and you're like, oh, it is, isn't it? I've been singing it for 20 years and I've never noticed that before. But, I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Alistair, what do you make of uh, the caterer? Das caterer, as the Germans might call it. You're on mute, and I didn't do it this time. <laughs> Back in the room. Uh, yeah, you must have been up against something that was uh, yeah, definitely a little wangy fruit. Um, the first round, I can't remember what it was like. And, uh, I've lost all my notes from, from the, the first round as well, so I can't really refer back to that. Like, But, you know, I'm, I'm not that keen on it, to tell the truth. I, I, maybe if I did listen to the lyrics, which generally I don't because I'm a bit deaf and uh, I, I always get them wrong anywhere, I, I might have been able to extract a bit of fun out of it. But, um, yeah, I just think it's a bit term, a bit kind of like pedestrian, a bit, yeah, unimaginative, uh, we, you know, but... Like I said, I don't listen to the lyrics. And as you were saying about the like the backing tracks thing, because um, like the the way I work with like a solo project to do, um, I kind of like layer things over things, but it's all like recorded onto mini disc, and I kind of like I lose stuff and then find stuff again and reuse it without realizing that I've used it before. But do, I do it end up coming up with something completely different using it, like for example, exactly the same drum track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but there you go. But yeah, going back, getting back to the caterer, I'm I'm not that keen. No, um, and, and uh, let's do let's do um an advert for your band. It's Grunt Futuk, I believe. Is that right? Peace, Mold, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Get on Bandcamp and have a listen. Um, I no, I I really like it. I think uh, the sense going all through. Oh, or just for reference, Alistair put out. I'm a mummy. Your your favorite. Uh, and you yeah, probably I, voted for it because I'm willing to cover. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah, but we but we all liked it actually. It was like in the first. I'm not sure about yourself, but the three of us were were, were going mad for it, mostly because of the chicken and chips thing. But um, uh, but I, like it's a great melody, and those those synths blipping and bleeping and arpeggiating, and like that's great synth bass. Like, I think it's actually one of the best electronic kind of fall songs they did and 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 smith's just on top form um so the radioactive thing is i don't necessarily think the lyrics um linked to that at all but, he, but so there was a, a guy called mark waller i think mark ariel waller who made a couple of short movies called glow boys and midwalk um not easy to get i've not seen either of them although leon is going to mention it in his comment um smith is a caterer in both of those he briefly appears and so there's a clip on youtube it's only a minute long i won't play because smith barely speaks and so it's kind of but but smith essentially plays a caterer in it and the glow boys refers to them working in a nuclear power plant and i think there's a uh, i don't know uh, if there's a, an accident there that kind of sets it off where i'm not really sure um 
but they're they're both related to nuclear power. Um, it also says that the 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 book Lint, which is one of the few books that I've read recently in the last few years by a new author, because you know, uh, and which I got from Stuart Lee's recommendation on some show he was on, and it's it's really funny. It's absolute nonsense. Um, I I read it. I don't remember there being any connection to the cater or chicken and chips, but apparently someone, probably Danny, if I had to guess, says that there is. Uh, but well worth a read. Like proper next level absurdist. <laughs> wordplay and stuff it's really funny stuff um max says free range file under pissed disco pisco was mez the gordon Ramsay of band leaders i would definitely dance to this not sure what that <laughs> refers to leon leon top tune on the great unutterable second half was lucky to catch the two short films on mike ariel wallace starring mez glow boys and midwatch on release and would love to see them again mez is great as the seemingly benign caterer dishing up the nuclear workers food which may itself be radioactive minimal magic um and dad will keep you warm and mam will keep you warm. Stick with me, I am the caterer. I deal chips from the left, chicken and chips off the bone. I offer up all on the menu. Stick with me. No dogs allowed. Get out of my house. I am not your mother. Stick with me. I am the caterer. Um, top draw stuff. Nothing from Michael E. this week, actually. Michael, I hope you're well. Send us, uh, send us your opinions. Uh, do we have anything from Tiny Timothy Twatwan? So we do. The first is his thoughts on Kenny Everett, which is that he has no strong feelings, but he appreciated his sense of British silliness. He was silly. Uh, yeah, he was British as well. So that's, Scouser. Uh, he was a Scouser. He, but yeah. Yeah, from Bootle, near Bootle. If that helps. Okay. When did, didn't he have a character that was like a, a really sort of like filthy name, but it was like a spoonerism? Cupid yeah, he said it earlier. Yeah, Cupid Yeah, yeah, but uh, and the, I think the, uh, the they came up. Uh, that was the second name that they had for, for that character because the first one was kind of like turned down for being obscene, <laughs> and that did the uh, slip that one. That's um, one of the the most famous clips is with with, with uh, he's all dressed up on his leathers, and I think Freddie Mercury comes in and he jumps on top of him, and they're basically wrestling together because I think they're all part of the same um, fun scene. <laughs> in, in london at that time so um yeah it was funny 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 stuff um but uh, it's just a special boys club exactly mm. conservative though apparently but support thatcher voted conservative and um sorry yeah. conference a new russia thing um, can't have it all not you know they're only human aren't they these celebrities they're only human what does he think about this song Stella black another ghost story E.T. E. was famous and wasn't human. No, he wasn't. Famous, he wasn't. He wasn't a Tory either. Thankfully, <laughs> Jimmy Tarbot was. They were all. They were all. They all were all the Scouse famous people. Oh Jimmy Tarbot. Oh Bella Black McCartney. Just saying. No. Alexi Sale. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a covert, <laughs> a covert conservative, wasn't he? <laughs> Fifth columnist. But all the way around, <laughs> carried on going and just ended up back here. Checkers. <laughs> right. That's Kato. The only bit of pleasure I've ever had from this pile of shite was hearing Ezra cackle about chicken and chips off the bone on the last go around. Utter shite. Boo. Boo. Here's what, Ezra, here's what Ezra has to say. I'll, I'll, I'll pepper every third 
line uh, word with a laugh. <laughs> See, Mez had the role of caterer in the two films about nukes. I guess this might be chuckle chuckle about nuclear power. This song, it has the same music as Free Range, or really, I wouldn't notice, which is a worry song and appears a few tracks after Midwatch, which is also about nuclear skullduggery. So surely some pattern here. Chips from the left and flesh melted off the bone from nuclear right. Smashing music, smashing words. Imperial Chutzpa, three out of three, he's calling it. It is up against a uh, left wing fall choice. Uh, are you our missing winner b-side distilled mug art left wing or left field I feel more left field oh yes both really aye <laughs> Yes, in the minefield that is this evening's show, um, that's, that um, song heavily features a, a mouth harp, um, <laughs> also known as a jaw harp. Really? Mm. That's what Wikipedia up. says. Anyway, what do you think of this track, Alistair? Distilled mug art. I kind of quite like it, really. So it got like a fucked up folky quality to it, which uh, appeals to me. Um, is, there, is there like a wire effect on it as well? Because uh, I, I quite like that. Uh, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it it flanged, phased, yeah. fa- some phasing or flange Flangy going on. Yeah. It could yeah, be natural from the mix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, <clears throat> The Jaws harp thing, I've got one of them, like, I can't play it, but it kills my teeth. Um, but the song itself, very good. Uh, it, it's not brilliant, but I quite, quite like it, yeah. Do you yeah, think the do you think the uh, the mouth harp thing is, do you think that's analogue, or do you think it's just a sample that sounds a bit like that? I reckon it'll be analogue, though. I think, it's analog. I think it's analogue because... By that point, they were in a pretty stripped-down mode, although Spencer Birtwistle was on board doing some stuff. But most of I are missing winner, except for Crop Dust, with its kind of sample, is pretty analog all the way through, I think. It's like, um, I don't it's, it. really sounded like a sample to me. Not a, not a sample of a mouth harp either. It sounded all like right. a sample that they'd made, that they processed and produced a sound like that kind of thing, or they maybe stumbled upon it accidentally and were like, all right, come on, let's have a jam over this. It could well, it could be because I I liken this, although they're very different. I get the crop dust kind of feel from this, mostly because it is based around that one loop essentially. And that, but there's obviously live guitars, multiple live guitars, and the pretty pretty nice stuff being yeah. played. Actually, very folky, um, beautiful acousticy stuff, and uh, uh, that yeah, that hypnotic. I, I could have easily had it for seven or eight minutes, like um, you know, kind of like yeah, like crop dust. Almost like crop dust is is hanging on that sample all the way through, but you could remove it, and I think it 
might still hold your attention because there's just some kind of tension and some driving stuff going in there. I, uh, I'm i kind of calling it. I'm sad to see it go if it does, because it is a, a really unique, yeah, a really unique song that uh, once it rewards multiple listens. And I think you were saying that this week as well, Phil. What's your take on it? So I, I was really dismissive of this. First couple of times I heard it, I thought it was another skit song, to be honest with you. Um, and it was only really when I got the lyrics up that I was uh, I was quite surprised at how much work has, has gone into this. It was another one of those intentionality sort of conversations that I was having with myself because it it reads at first like he's he's just kind of reading the back of an advert or something like that. He's uh, he's yeah. well, I get the first thing to say is it feels a bit like a list song. It's it's got these number punctuations, although they're not in numerical order or time order or anything like that. God knows where he's he's drawing them numbers from. At first I thought he was just making them up. And then this distilled mug art theme sounds like an advert for putting pictures of something on a cup. But that's on on one level. But then the more that you sit with it and the the more that you hear how he is delivering those lines, the more that you realise how much thought has actually gone into it. And the fact that it's actually quite a good metaphor for this idea of um, consuming art and how it's uh turned into a commodity and the process of I, I guess it's it's important to a musician the idea of how you record your stuff and what the legacy is of that kind of thing and so the more that you sit with this idea of distilled mugger which sounds so throwaway at the start of it all the more kind of important it feels and the more poignant it feels as you're as you're going through it um so that really struck me this week i was i was dead surprised the, the more that i uh, i sat with the words of it and the music is i, th- I think you've both hit nearly mostly but um it did sound very western to me it sounded a bit sort of like crop dust lights that desert psychedelia bit ennio morricone sort of 60s spaghetti western kind of vibe um that because i always think with the spaghetti westerns with them being made in the late 60s they've always got that touch of psychedelia even if it's just the haircuts of the cowboys or or that it's got that 60s just feel the, about the, it. the film the film itself that they were using that those Absolutely, saturated yeah. kind of images yeah yeah, and this that's what this song feels like. It feels like it's baked in sunlight, doesn't it? The whole thing. Um, yeah, there's and there are a few different guitar voices. You've got a nylon strung strumming going on, and then you've got somebody obviously doing the the old um classical upward finger movement where you rest your finger on the next string as you're playing it, that sort of style. Um and it all comes together quite nicely, but it, it's a song that you've really got to sit with to get something out of it. It's it's really quite an interesting bit of art. But it, like I said, on first listen, I just thought it was a bit naff. Um, I've, I've really had to take my time with it. Really. Yeah, um, it's kind of, this is another one of those ones. What was I talking about last week? Yeah, Pine Leaves, right? That, that seems to get oh, yeah. dismissed quickly by a lot of people. And maybe it's just our sensibilities that it's... That, that, I don't, I don't think we're doing a, a sense of perversity to say, well, no one likes it, so we're going to. I think it's genuinely like it's just a, a little weird, strange song that once you've listened to it, it's very easy to dismiss. It's a B-side of a, of a, a Are You Missing Winner era, so it's kind of might, it might give it a couple of listens. But I remember used to buy hundreds of like 
tapes for like 20p and 30p from like a record shops in Wigan and go through the b-sides and edit like literally edit out 20 seconds and 30 seconds of the b-sides and stuff that I really liked uh, this is obviously pre-sampling and all that stuff and uh, make compilations of it and found so many really sweet and unusual kind of songs and this reminds me of that it's like and after looking through like 50 of these, 100 of these, you'd end up with a compilation tape that was like proper, strange, weird, small kind of tracks that the bands themselves obviously hit on something interesting, but didn't feel it was worthy of going on an album or maybe deliberately wanted to keep it as this kind of little gem thing. And that's that's what it is. And um, Ezra, great tune about watching mugs melt into tables and screens slide out of faces or faces out of screens and screens into faces while tripping balls now it could be the answer to everything it, it could well be but you know smith's not likely to be tripping balls but the fact is that again when we're talking about grand morrison's nature of taking somewhat innocuous kind of statements or even cartoon like comic book characters that had almost nothing about them and kind of imbibing them with meaning um which is something they uh do a lot and especially in the doom patrol stuff or um animal mind stuff like that where you take a second or third rate character i mean i remember when he took um batmite and turned it into batman's like essential like um he batman's essentially dying and and having visions of the of the afterlife or visions of of kind of uh his his brain losing consciousness and he and batmite's talking to him and it's like wow it's like taking something as ridiculous and stupid as that and making it like actually meaningful and it's like did this you, is kind did of you ever read um did you ever read the um seven soldiers of victory series that he did where he took seven different characters from like silver yeah. age and they didn't even meet there's one of them yeah they don't even meet yeah they don't even meet in it but yeah, they solve some kind of like issue together with that. i mean it's such unique um yeah. and i love that and I but that think... idea i i do i do think that the one we i was talking about before is where he took that phrase shadow cabinet and turned it into like this villainous thing oh. and that's that's what i took from distilled mug art it's like an innocuous advert that's probably lying around in the studio uh you know and it's he's seeing it a couple of times and then thought oh yeah i can do something with that and some of these bits may well have been read straight off the advert but it's having the eye to be able to reframe those things and be able to get something more poignant from it, isn't it? yeah it's it's a very dense collage of stuff uh, a red cup growing on desk, burnt on digital slow. Whilst the engineer is trying to pick up bits left on top of screen, they are amusing themselves, trying to make politicians or actors look funny or better. Good idea for war history program, torn off bits of pictures of barbed wire. We've talked enough through the um, Luciani stuff that it's like, don't dismiss this. It's easy. You can do you say it's nonsense, of course, and in some way it is, right? But it can also be viewed as something that has beauty and meaning in multiple layers and mug art yeah i mean yeah aren't we all mugs for digging this oh, kind yeah. of nonsense and it's kind of yeah how many ways do you want to interpret that because the thing is it's like oh you wouldn't have thought about it right but even if you spent only a half an hour writing these lyrics the way your mind works and the way he he takes things he would have thought of the like the, the four or five different meanings of the word mug uh it's why it would have jumped out at him in the first place, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, he's got it's whether it's 
I mean, with with Smith, I'm tempted to say it's just innate talent because he was he was just wired like that right from the start. But I, I think for a lot of people who who work creatively, it's something you get better at because you practice it, and the more you do it, the better you get at it, isn't it? It's but it's is it the writer's eye they call it, where you're just constantly everything that you're looking at, you're thinking, can I use that? How would that fit in a story? Or? Exactly. Uh, Max doesn't necessarily agree. He says, should have been left on the studio floor. Oh, well. <laughs> Leon, Max, you hurt me, Max. Leon Distilled Mug, Dig the Beef Heart reference. MES reading out numbers, how Mez can turn an unpromising sketch into folk art. And I think that's the, the perfect uh, way to describe it. The yeah. best line, give the folks mumps to order with their apple shape. The whole is like a tiny detail, magnificently magnified. He's he's swaying me. They'd be going into this. The chicken and chips was was doing it for me. But um, even Ezra. See Ezra, see Ezra, you should have come. No, no. <laughs> Listen to this. Ezra gave Distill Mug out three out of three and then took down Daz Caterer to 2.5 because he wants Distilled Mug Art to go through. So there's, oh, let's take a vote. Interesting uh, times. Has Tim told us what he thinks of this song? I don't think he has, actually. Uh, nice bit of murky fluff. I like the sound of the guitar against the noisy and crappy recording quality. Some nice vocal interplay between Mez and Mez, but otherwise pretty unremarkable. Okay, so which way and is he, he gone? gone? He has gone for distilled mug art. So um, Ooh, Max... Like Max has gone for Caterer and Ezra has gone for Still Mogart. Let's have a look at um, Michael. He's not voted this week, so uh, it's it's all to play for. Um, Alistair, which way are you going? I'll go with Still Mogart. I do actually quite like the song. Like I said before, it's not brilliant, but it's it's, it's definitely got a character to it, which is Indeed. nice. Mm. Philip? Yeah, I'm going to go with Still Mogart, I think. My vote does not matter, but I think I would have probably been drawn that way too um although i do really like the caterer i think it's great and, and uh, that's great like the caterer go through doubt. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure free rangers got a good chance in fact i've already gone through can't remember um anyway distill mug art makes it through to round three against all odds it's in with the big boys um uh, next up uh is twister Nice, nice. So uh, I believe that was the Peel Session version of Twister. But as we know, all versions are open for discussion. So back to you, Pip. What do you make of Twister? 
Well, I'll be honest with you, I played that one by mistake. I hadn't really <laughs> she'd put that one on. It's there. a bit slower. It's um, a bit slower, a bit more spacious. I think the album or, or the um the single version, the B side version is um a little bit more I'll play a bit in a bit, don't worry. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. I was I was once I realised what was playing, I left it playing because I wanted to hear it. So and the guitar tone's much better on that than on the uh the the record version, I thought. The um I, I find I do find the guitar tone a bit off putting. On, on the on the record uh it's a bit too peavy for my palette really um but the song itself <clears throat> I don't know it's kind of swinging in and out of favor of it really it was a quite I when I first heard it I thought I remember this going through and thinking it was better than I thought it was going to be but I didn't remember it being great and um the more that I listened to it the more that I appreciated the break and how weird this song is i think the first break where there's that um it, i think it's like a tom that's that's up that's mic'd up differently on the kit isn't it and he hits the tom and there's a hammond chord at the same time and everything stops and then this weird noise builds up over the over the <clears throat> the back of it which is actually the chorus of the song which is breaks shouting twister over and over again and it's like the the more i started deconstructing it the more odd the the choices that they made were in the song like that and it was that's actually the best bit of it is realizing what a strange little ditty it is um and so i yeah i, I kind of fell in and out of love with it um, but I did really enjoy listening to it. It was, it was great picking it apart because I'm cracking eyes in it. Um, and it also reminded me of, of Sleep Debt Snatches quite a bit. Um, although I'm, I can't quite put my finger on why. And um, my, my only other thought about it is that um, the bass must have been so fucking loud in the studio because... Any little movement of his finger, you can hear it picking up on the strings. If you get the headphones on, when there's no bass playing, you can still hear Stanley's fingers ominously hanging around in the, the background. Strings. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how deliberate that was in the process, but it was obviously a definite decision to leave it in, and it's interesting. Yeah, I noticed the uh, twists and turns, if you will, structurally speaking, and I think um, that that is really interesting. Those breaks you don't get a lot of that stuff in fall songs, and 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 it's not as if someone else has come in to suggest that that's just the same setup of the band. So, you know, Sammy Rogers in this, so we all we know he's more. What? What year is it? This is 88's Friends Experiment Era. I think it was a B-side in there. You know, I might be wrong. It's about, it's about that. Even. And, um, so I think you're talking Marsha and uh, Sam Rogers and the, the crew is all in there. So um, The opening salvo of the lyrics is really weird. Even a, for the fall, it's an odd. It, it's a bit spoiled Victorian child, isn't it? It's a bit. It's a little bit meta. Magnificent structure straddled the river as I dictated my autobiography to my biographer. When I heard this tune, my title was Renegade Genius, but was interrupted much too soon. Was interrupted much too soon. It's quite on the nose for Smith. It's quite uh, linear in that sense. But um, And also, as we pointed out, I think before it was a cop-out that he decided to call his quote-unquote autobiography uh, renegade and not renegade genius it clearly uh should have should have been um it seems to be maybe about some kind of train journey but because it's got that twangy american feel for me it, it does feel like mules through the desert that's uh, through the yeah through the desert um 
that kind of vibe to it because of the twang, which I do I do like, but it runs out. Um, my, the novelty runs out for me pretty quickly. Um, some nice pads from Marsha, I guess, and um, Mez singing the riff, which I like, but again, the novelty of that wears off. Um, and and there's a couple of tracks tonight that could have been way longer. Like I said, it's still mug art. And when we get to the classical, it's like that could have gone for 20, 30 minutes. And, but this, I was like, do you really need that third verse and chorus? I was probably good with two. Um, but having Mez in both your ears, what could be better? Uh, Alistair, what do you reckon to Twister? I really quite like it. It's another example of um, a B-side that's just sort of like quite a lot better than probably the A-side. Um, yeah, the guitar riff at the beginning of it, I think there's a bit of recycling done on uh, later on with the Deadbeat Descendant. Um but it's it's kind of like that era in it, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the way it it sort of like starts off like with a sort of like twangy guitar thing, and you're thinking, all right, yeah, this is like fairly simple sort of um, you know predictable rock and rolly kind of fodder. Um, but yeah, then it gets really weird as, as Phil kind of mentioned, and I do remember this from like the first time round, really liking it. Um, and you know, it, it does get a little bit. Um, yeah, repetitive. Um, but it's, it's still it's still good. It's, it's still better than a lot of the stuff from from this era. Uh, if it was Friends sort of era, Friends it wasn't. It, it was a really good lineup, but not one of my favourite LPs. Uh, but this this is uh, remarkably interesting. Yeah, I've got a feeling it was the B side to Victoria. Um, yeah, it was. It was on twelve inch of Victoria. So um, I can't yeah. think other band who would port a, a pop sounding song like this out with the choices they make on this this song it's it's yeah i do find it very odd not in a bad way just in a strange way this is a weird choice and now like we said a bunch of times like friends experiment they, they there was if you look at curious orange seminal live friends experiment which all came out relatively close to each other there's so many good songs and yet somehow they failed to make it a good album. The Curious Orange is decent, it's fine, right? Friends is okay, but it's very patchy. And Seminole is, as Marsha said, the biggest piece of shit she's ever been involved in. But um, <laughs> uh, still, there there is a classic, classic album there. And um, but we take we take what we're given. Uh, Max said Twister. If this was a guy Richie movie, then Alan Ford would have a hundred grand on Twister to beat the classical, but not till the fifth round. Lots of sonically interesting stuff happening, courtesy of Marsha, I guess. If I had to guess, it would be courtesy of Simon Rogers, but I'm sure there's uh, she was involved. Leon Twister is great in its peel version, like the guitar lick followed by big drums. Lyrics seem to be based on the experience of writing the tune Twister on the train and the mundane but twisted environment, possibly. What about uh, Tiny Tim? Uh, yeah. Are we going to play a bit more of the peel version? Yeah, I'll, I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put it. Oh, I was going to put the original one on. Or do you want to hear more of the peel? Uh, Follow it up with Deadbeat Descendants. <laughs> Now, what, when was Deadbeat so, Descendant? Wasn't that Curious Orange? So that yeah, came before yeah, was, this. Descendant, cab it up, 12. Yeah, so I think I think Deadbeat came out before Twist. But we never know when they're written, right? So it's t- tricky, but... Um, oh, this could have been written any time, couldn't it? Yeah. All right, tell us what Tim thinks and I'll line up. Um, he says, a bit plodding and cumbersome, but I like the way it whips up a storm at points. Sounds like a B-side and not in the way that we think of the fall of 
prior period where every B-side equaled the A-side, but in the more unusual way. Pleasant enough, don't miss it when it's gone. Aye, I'll play a bit of uh, the original, the, the, the studio version, and then, and then the peel. Let's go! Just there's just something just doesn't quite uh, grab me and um, it's up against a big boy. Let's have a let's have a, what does it, what have we heard everyone? Have we heard have everyone has said something? I'm not telling you what Ezra thinks. I think no. What does Ezra? What does Ezra think? He says a philistine on the bunker chat claim that Twister is all twang and no glory. <laughs> I very humbly <laughs> beg to differ to the humble most degree. The 87 Peel Session version takes a Californian beach twang and dumps a sack of suit all over it, that sunshine. Post-industrial train music of the highest order, destined to become a dance craze as we all choke to death on methane. Lyrically not sure, but it seems to doff its cap to the Ribblehead Viaduct and some of those fops what Ken Russell made booby films about. Entirely great thing. You know you're in trouble when Ezra's review of the song is better than the song itself. <laughs> uh, all right. It is up against... Not sure what else I can say that hasn't already been said. Fave bit the bass solo at 420. We'll talk more about the bass in a little while. Leon, classical, what hasn't been said? So good. Best use of two drummers. Perfect as an opener. Make no excuses for that lyric. Um, I'm sure we will touch on that at some point. Um, here's, what, <laughs> here's what I say. That bass line. The crashing drums, that noisy guitar right off the bat. And uh, Smith just sets it off. And from the very start, there's just the riff of 
all riff and it just sets up that entire era of heck um it feels to me like the, the mix is absolutely perfect they're all almost stud in line and they all just somewhat almost imperceptibly take a little step forward so this idea in um, in a lot of electronic music of side chaining where you basically have uh, what it does is every time the beat hits every time the kick drum hits it it just marginally reduces all the other instruments just slightly and your ears don't really hear it but what it does is obviously it pushes forward the bass drum it almost feels like this is happening like all the way through this track it highlighting different instruments without really making a huge change to the mix the bass will step forward and the guitars will then then mez will and then the drums and it's kind of just such a perfect perfectly balanced mix um just enough variation all the way through especially the percussion from the from the two drummers um and mez kind of dancing around that main idea of um the chorus i never felt better in my life just waiting they hinted it like three or four times through the song and then all of a sudden just comes in i never felt better in my... and then it's used sparingly it just comes in drops in and out um yeah it's absolutely fantastic musically um what what more can one say but there is much more to say because it's just so dense it's just so beautiful and uh you know we will get to the words but uh that's my take on the music what about you pet he's muted <laughs> who is it who said about um <clears throat> best use of two drummers i'd probably go along with that yeah i think it probably is i think it it's it it releases all the promise of that doesn't it in this in this tune um and i agree with you about the the deaf uh production touch of the of allowing the each instrument to breathe when it needs to in the in the mix i think it's it is excellent the way it's done it's almost a bit too good i think is it a, a, is it a lecky recording not hex no he's he's not no. um he's not on the scene yet no yeah but... who's got the who's got the credit for it then? It, amazingly oh. given how big an album it is i don't know is it just it's just an engineer credit i think yeah richard master um who i really don't know anything about it's, um produced get in uh, touch. Was, richard it, get in touch we yeah, want to touch he was the in-house producer for irs which is um the miles oh, yeah. Auckland label the rem one that had um a lot of crossover yeah, yeah. with 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 um step forward i think uh so he worked with birthday party um, alternative TV, Suburban Ooh. Lawns, great band, um, as well as uh, Nana Cherry, Bootsy Collins, and Ooh. the Average White Band. So um, very nice. But what of the song, Philip? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, what did I get up to with that? So the production I really like on it, and I think the drums are really good on it, and the bass is exceptional. It's it's not particularly complicated what he's playing, but it's absolutely perfect and it, it does keep your attention all the way through. And he's doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, I didn't do what I was what I said I was gonna do, did I? Mm. Um we'll come back to that. Um and the other thing so the other thing that strikes me about the whole tune is um how can something this noisy sound so dreamy? It sounds like a it sounds like a like a dream feels is <laughs> the best way. And I think part of the problem with this is that it's it's kind of like it's an experience, isn't it? The classical rather than it being rather than it being a song as such. 
you know, it's like I, I can't really imagine someone sitting down at the piano to play it. It's it's more of you have to see the falls doing this doing this thing and experience it for the minutes that it's on. Um, so I think that's why it's it's very precious to a lot of people, isn't it? Because it's it's an experience and you can't really kind of pass that on any other way. Um, but to yeah. to to get to the bit that everybody is. Uh, everybody's referenced but nobody's talked about so far is the bit at the start isn't it and we were i guess reflecting a bit around how times change um and in other ways they don't change at all so i i, I do think the point that's being made is an important point and it seems just as pertinent now as it ever has done, uh about you know how representation happens uh identity and how protected should be about that or not is all still a relevant debate at the moment isn't it um and i think he 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 tackles it head on and maybe makes a bit of a ham-fisted job of it but uh i don't i don't think it's an illegitimate issue blow. no um and wanting to talk about it now so we can talk about the rest of the lyrics and it doesn't overshadow the entire song or the entire relationship that someone would have with this band or this writer um i thought about my stance on it a lot um i think the best thing i've come across is uh, is um the lad i think his name is chris who runs the annotated fall and i think it's closest to what i kind of would maybe sum it up he says it it may be intended as an attack on tokenism but it's unsubtle and misdirected and inevitably comes across as racist. Now, I don't know if it inevitably comes across as racist, but it's like, yeah, that's, you know, it's sure. If you want to make a point about tokenism representation, absolutely. But but just putting it out there, knowing that Smith's never going to really explain it, although he does in some interviews and, and arguably makes it far worse. Um, if you want to read those, please do. It's on the annotated fall. Not going to get into it here, but making those kind of big, heavy statements with the knowledge that you're never really going to explain them in any way, um, it, it gets you thinking. It gets, you have to make your own mind up as a fall fan about where you stand on that. Um, however, it is part of the song. The rest of the song deals with a broader sense of lyrics about nationalism to some degree, about what it means to be British and pokes fun at the pompous nature of uh of being English and being British. And this is something that Smith does all the way through, no more than things like the English scheme, where it's very much more comedic. This is a little bit more uh, abstract. Um, yeah, p- poking fun at the institutions. And um, what do you make? What do you make of his opening lyric of there is no, there is no culture is my brag? Do you think he's? Oh, well, I'm. I'm assuming it's a play with Melvin Bragg. First of all, sure. Uh, but just the just the sentiment that it's it's saying. Because I only recently found out where we adopted the word culture. It was when the Romans left, and we used it to describe what the Romans did. Yeah, so we they were, did. So well, always, what did they do? Always been. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, the the, the Melvin Bragg kind of um pun there at the beginning possibly is definitely you know setting setting up this whole thing of like um all right sunday evening television here's your little bit of culture for the week um this is the home of the vein 
Um, and then he goes off in all sorts of different directions that, that are very hard to pin down. But the idea of the classical, the idea of coming back, it's again, you know, we talked about the uh, oblique nature of the distilled Mogart lyrics, and these are equally oblique in maybe not equally, but these are these are very <laughs> oblique. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, was, I was listening to uh, Melvin Bragg on Radio 4 yesterday, actually. Oh, no, it was Thursday. Oh, you're a big Radio 4 hound, though, aren't you? Yeah, yeah like in um, our time, in our time's a decent show. Yeah, but right. I, I kind of forgot just how nasal his voice was, and that, that kind of like took me back to his spitting image when he used to have the puppets of him with like the baby bottle that he'd be using as like a fix kind of uh, expectorant type thing. Right. Mm. <laughs> What's your take on the classical, Al? Um, right. We, we get, I'm going to go straight for the lyric side of things because it's it's kind of easy for me because I don't really hear what's going on. Uh, with, with <laughs> the rare advantage is it's a very obvious poor choice of words going on. Uh, I don't know what point he's trying to make, but I think it sounds like a really ham-fisted way of going about it. Um, but like getting into the music, I bloody love it. You know, you, you, you've been mentioned before like the two drums thing uh, i don't think it's the best example of like the, the two drum lineup and the, the way that they kind of interact with each other um kind of like tempo house did you, say, did you say it is the best or it isn't the best no no i don't think it is no what's your uh, best one then what's your what's your best well, one it, it depends what mood i'm in but i mean like tempo house like sprung to mind because that's like a, a longer tune and they, they seem to that's be good. Yeah, it's like it's more up front because you've not got the guitar there to kind of like distract. You've uh, never liked guitars. <laughs> well, you can tell by the way you play them. Um, but uh, I love the plonky keys on it. Uh, that's it's, that's dead subtle in the background, but it's just like it's a big fuck you kind of thing. Uh, and the, the, the amount of like discord and sort of like abrasion in there like with the guitars um very good um but yeah it just kind of gets tainted by the the, the words uh it's, it's, it's a difficult one to, to listen to nowadays because of that whereas when i first started listening to it it, it didn't really occur to me different times, times of... they are changing. as much as they change <laughs> the more they stay the same um we all have to make up our own minds on these things at the end of the day and uh, the ongoing debate of art and artist and uh, intention is... Which uh, is why everyone's going to be really uh, excited about a new podcast, which is going through all of Wagner's work. <laughs> exactly. With the, going, with, up, with... going up Wagner's ring. Exactly. <laughs> Here we go. As as promised, let's get into that baseline now. Paul Hanley straight out says they're arguing over who wrote the baseline, although you would guess it was Steve Hanley because he seems to have written all the fall songs. But, um, but you know, Paul Hanley seems to suggest that... that um, the dude from Duran Duran, John Taylor, wrote it. And I was like, oh, I'd never... I, I mean... didn't realise it was Paul Hanley that said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Steve. I don't think Steve did said it. Um, have we got it? Some... Did I copy it from... Do you want me to share it? Is it the, is it the, the raw bit that I didn't copy from the annotated fall? So, yeah, if you, you want to play that clip of John Taylor playing the bass line or... Yeah, yeah. About three, like about three and a half minutes in, you play it from the. Oh, yeah, yeah. The most replay. Just go back a bit because he's already in it there. It's, believe me, he's going to say it again. That sort of thing. So, 
So we've got a main groove and Nick, Andy trading. Sorry. We're about to buy three, yeah, three, three twenty or something. I didn't realize how well spoken he was actually, to be honest with you. Are they posh boys? Well, the Brummies, though, aren't they? He's the same Brummies. Ah, the Brummies. That's just Barracuda, right? Well, he says that it's um, chic. Um, what sweet song does he say it is? Um, well, that Gallop. Yeah, I mean, the Gallop, you yeah, maybe. But... The gallop. Barracuda. It's like that live head song. Yeah, I mean, it's a great bass line, but, you know, whether or not it's the classical, who knows? Um lead lines da, 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 da. It's not that's that enough though, it? it's not that it. it's this go on then he goes then he goes back into part a yes um it's, it's a really good cover of Planet Earth on uh, the Frank side bottom uh, 10 inch mini LP thing, but it's not Frank who's doing it, it's just some guy. Right. He ends up with it, it finish, finishes with a big burp, which is brilliant. It's a great song, it's a top, top class song. Um, here Ezra says, Another train of derangement. I think one of Messi's best lyrical modes is the theme of England, Britain, Albion, etc. etc. He seems to nail the weird web of references that constitute national identity. At least the way I've, I've experienced it. The song, along with paintwork and more than a few others, really tie those tentacles to the mass. Indeed. Um, and we um, will, I'm sure we'll come back to it and we will try and deal with this thorny issue one more time. Um, but what does Tim's always the voice of reason? What does he say? Well, he's cut to the chase. Not much needs saying, does it? It's, I just know how fucking great the bass line is, especially the high up bits and the pummeling drums. Top tier shit. Yes. Um. So it is vote time. Is it Twister versus the classical? I mean, really? Do we have to? It is uh, the classical all the way for me, Alistair. Classical. Hi, Philip. Are you going to are you going to do the the wise thing, or are you going to spit your dummy out? <laughs> uh, well, possibly both. I'm going for the classical because I think it's yeah. fucking amazing. So is Max. Uh, Ezra is torn, but uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Now, just as we thought we dug ourselves out of the mire, and I totally did not set this up at all. <laughs> it was just, and I didn't even realize it until this morning when I was having a look at it and making my like my notes, and I was like, oh, okay. The classical followed by the joke. Okay, fair enough. Well, why don't we deal with all the big issues at the, the same time? Uh, let's yeah, have a listen bro. to the joke of um, Cerebral Caustic. Don't be, don't be nice about it. Just split 
Yeah, no messing. Strayhead Garage Riff. The drums are awesome. The bass is a bit light. I think a better mix would help, but we said that a lot about Cerebral Caustic thing. I think it's a Smith in proper monk style mode of singing. And again, dancing around the idea of that chorus, that perfect two word chorus just dropped in, but he doesn't do it at the beginning. He holds off and he drops it in just uh, really spurringly. Um, got great chorus riffage. Um, it's just pure pop sensibility. Um, and it's done in a blink. It's less than three minutes. Funky sigh on the drums, proper pummeling. And then at the right at the end, you get a breakbeat coming in. And I wonder whether that's that was the genesis of the track, whether it was like Funky Side playing over a breakbeat. But I was like, oh, I should message him. But I hassled him last week about where Dave Bush was living. So I, I don't want to give I don't want to, I don't want to hassle him too many it's times. It's not for Charlotte with lovely Simon. He's so nice. He's so nice. But um I, I'll I'll wait and see if anyone knows. But I think it's a great tune. But once again, oh we gotta dig into Smith's choice of lyrics and okay. I get it. It's a ham-fisted <laughs> attempt at... Why did you look at me when you looked so exasperated there? <laughs> oh, God. All right, so... <laughs> all right. P, P, it's, P, it's PC gone mad. It's political crime that's gone mad. All right, Stuart Lee's got it all covered. Go listen to uh, Stuart Lee's um, monologue. He's not joking. He really does think political correctness has gone too, too far. And... It's it's not a good look. <laughs> it's it's um but it's such a great song. And read that um, uh, interview with Christian Guru Murphy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got about that one. Um that means I've got to change the sign again now, doesn't it? <laughs> How many episodes it's been since somebody's mentioned the Christian exactly. Guru Murphy interview? <laughs> I mean, it's such a great tune, it's a, and it's such a great chorus. And and even the the idea of it what if if you thought that Smith was not like proper series about this stuff you could be like okay it's like i get what you're saying you're making a little she cheeky jab at the uh at the, the political correctness sure we you know we can take a little bit of that hold on five years in a pc camp hmm might be a little you may have stepped several steps over the line there um ah what more what more can i say it's like you bit you do not make this easy for us mark a fucking great banging garage tune and just just sitting there with a big fucking shit eating grin on your face like what did i do what did i do what did i say <laughs> come on phil help me out uh okay right first things first um it's a Another fucking naff guitar tone. It's fucking peeved up to buggery. It's awful. Um, I, I do not like the production on this record at all. It stinks. Um, I don't think it's that great a tune either. I was trying to think of another song that had that kind of descending chord riff, and there must be millions of them, but I couldn't think of any one in particular that kind of that, that it reminded me of, other than it reminded me of lots of different songs. Um, so there's nothing really going for it until Mez jumps on the vocal line and then everything just livens up. It's fucking brilliant. And to me, it's like, that's the that's the money there. That's the talent that you're paying for is that he knows that just like anybody else in the band can step up whenever they absolutely need to. He's just got it on tap. 
it's it's he just knows how to do it and, and to liven the song up. And he, the the lyrics are very uh, just in like in the economy of what he's saying and and how it fits with the music and stuff. It's very spacious, but it's perfectly it's perfectly yelped over the top, isn't it? And I love some of the plays of of word that he gets going where he's talking about ward on ward off. <clears throat> it's a, it's a nice play between the spell of putting a ward on yourself and warding something off because you are you know essentially just dismissing it or whatever from your from your life. And I as um and I I do get the frustration. I'm not as dismissive about people's frustration. I guess of of because it's to me it's not about people. This to me is not about people saying Looney left or something of that ilk. To me, this is a song about the people who said actually actually you know who who feel it's their job to correct you and i i think it's to be offended on other people's behalf and that kind of thing which is which i do think is a bit of an issue again it's like these are topics that have not gone away these are Mm. still sort of topics that have got more acute if anything in the in the sort of collective conscious and um so it's it's interesting isn't it that uh that we're that we're still sort of wrestling over this kind of issue but i I guess as so we should it's you know freedom of speech and freedom of thought and freedom of action are all things that we should be constantly debating not not with a view to removing them but just how to expand them really i'm a big believer in um the liberation project and the fact that you know we should be trying to find freedom in every aspect of our lives so if that's what he is saying then i'm all for it um and if it's if it's for bashing people who feel it's their job to put limits on other people's behavior when they've got no mandate for doing it and i think I'm, I'm behind that as well to be honest with you so so i'm not as i'm not as dismissive of it but at the same time you know, I refer the honourable member to my previous answer about ham-fisted fucking attempts to do things, and it's you know I'm sure he could have come up with a, a, a cleverer way of saying it, but because there's, there's clever bits in the song, so I guess I agree with you on that front. But uh, but yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with pushing authoritarianism back. They can fuck off. No, I guess I would... that's where me and Al drink from the same well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say that um, you know. Uh unless you are directly relating the, the PC camp to Second World War, prisoner of war camps, and I'm not sure whether that is directly what he's referring to, then... then... I don't really know. I thought that was a game. Well, the, well, we know about his, uh, his, his game with his sisters, right? But, um, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing as, as outwardly, explicitly offensive in this song as in the classical in that same sense this is more of a comment and you can interpret and take it as uh, whichever way you want to take it and one of the ways that that has been brought up is that there's the milan kandura book called a joke in which um the main character writes a joking postcard to his girlfriend where he talks about long live trotsky and this is interpreted as serious and because of that there's very serious uh, repercussions for the character and so I, i'd never heard anything suggesting that smith read kandura or but it was a, this was a really, really popular author in the early yeah. 90s I, right? I i read that on the on the annotated fall as well i thought it was interesting but it's yeah i'm not i'm not sure you can draw a direct link between the two but i'm sure he would have known the origin of words oh, the phrase political correctness is a maoism isn't it that's where mm. it could cultural revolution in uh, in china <clears throat> so it's that's that's why it's used as a pejorative isn't it it's because of its communist history yeah 
Um, so once again, we find ourselves torn between the uh, artist and the artist. And uh, Leon once heard that you could predict the quality of a fall gig by how much effort Mez puts into singing the line five years in a PC camp. Good start with the diseased hut thereafter. It's just about maintaining energy. And yeah, absolutely. This is the, the you know, you hear the person could sing the phone book and uh, this is Smith doing that. He's just, just jumps on a generic track and just energizes it. Max, even American band did this. They'd have been all over the cover of the NME, probably the Kings of Leon. Or something. <laughs> Layered guitars writhe and spit like cats in a bath. Mez dangerously close to Pierce Morgan anti-woke with talk of PC camps equating political correctness with the Jewish Holocaust was always crap, regardless of the look back bores. That's kind of where I knew, obviously I read his comments before, that's where I was saying like I'm, uh, I'm not, necessarily sure if it's that ex if he's making that explicit of a of a comment and you know after we dug into the idea with the pine leaves last week which was a very sensitive way to deal potentially with that issue um off the same record is um yeah. you know interesting if even when the two of them come head to head which is now inevitable given how the universe works <laughs> I think it's it's a little bit of a stretch, though. I, I, I'm not sure you can make a direct uh, interpretation that way. But mm. it's it's an open field, isn't it? You just got to make your cash, really. Al, have you told us what you think? I'm so confused at this point. No, I've not. Um, I picked up on a, a, a word you used before, like that just kind of like sums it up for me, which is generic. Um, I'm not like. Doesn't sound like the kind of thing I'd say. <laughs> Um, but right, the cerebral course, they, they, I'm, I'm not dead keen on it. I don't really listen to it, so I'm not dead familiar with it. Um, and the, the, the reason I, I, I just choose not to listen to it, it's not one of my favourites. However, uh, one of the good things about doing the podcast is it's forced me into doing it. Um, and yeah, it, it is one of the better ones off Caustic. Um, and another good thing about it, uh, doing the podcast as well is because I don't listen to the lyrics. I get all this stuff explained to me, uh, and I can't be asked looking at the annotated fall because it involves using computers, and, and you know that's that's just far too sort of like a technolo technologically advanced for me. I mean, like you do all your notes and everything on computers. I mean, with, with, with I pen do. and paper. Uh, um, but it's an alright song. No idea about the lyrics. Um, but yeah, it's generic. I well, Ezra says the joke versus Mad Men Ing Dog. Not sure why either of these are here. There's much better to be had on respective albums. What didn't get this fair, let's knock both these out and get distilled classical and twister through for the love of proper good stuff. Well, no can do, my friend. Um, it is up against Mad Men Ing Dog. Um, off the Marshall Suite from the year of our Lord, the 20th century. Yeah, 
got the money in the bank. They lay on Monday. Well, I don't know. Everything starts sounding like Duran Duran after a while. A little mm. bit, doesn't it? <laughs> when all the citizens retire to take their clothes off and perspire, it's one of those rules the greatest fools obey. Because the sun is far too sultry, and one must avoid its ultraviolet ray. Bad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. The toughest Burmese. I'm not sure necessarily. That's <laughs> Not I'm not quite sure how those songs are connected. This John Hamm tribute. Um, it's there are bad times just around the corner. I love, I love that. I love that one. Yeah. Don't put your daughter on stage, like Mrs. Worthington. Quite, quite like the. Uh, let's not be beastly to the Germans. It's getting better, isn't it? It's getting better these episodes. Some things never change. Audio collage, mez mumbling, synth trumps, ring modulations. So what I think, I think I said this last time, but what, what I think is that this almost seems like a remix with the uh, tunes. I'm sorry to pull you up, Brandon, but I know. we did. We agree. We did agree we would never mention our previous episodes. <laughs> My my feeling is this could easily be like a very solid, straightforward tune that, that Mez in his wisdom just stripped all of the instrumentation out of and just left the the effects essentially because he's singing quote unquote melodically. He's singing a song, he's singing a tune. And I, I kind of feel like this is super sweet. And maybe he just thought, oh, that regular tune's no good. It's too generic, as Al might say. And he stripped out the actual tune, the get the guitars, the bass, and just left those synth trumpets and an audio collage running through. Pitch shifted fun at the end. Brilliant. Um, the mad new English dog has lost the plot. He'd lost the plot, gone to the Rottweilers, the stolen yellow car, the money's in the bank, delay on Monday, platonic Urcorp staff by banking staff, the mad dog english dog man people like you want to be like me hard men to sax and drumming jazz fm what do you reckon alistair i like it uh, oh you yeah. might experimental audio collage bit sort of like quite rocky at times uh, i like that the beginning the, 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 the vocal at the beginning the meh, meh, all that stuff uh, which i think last time i mentioned reminded me of um life of brian oh uh, yeah the, he's yeah yeah <laughs> uh well, yeah, get, I thought there, there was something on the list we hadn't ticked off, but now you got that one. <laughs> but yeah, this kind of stuff can listen to all day. I'm quite, I'm, I'm very much in my comfort zone listening to stuff that's just a little bit demented. Nice. Um, and you know, if you had stripped down all the instruments, he's, he's from the, the recording, he may well have made a massive improvement to it. But having said that, I do quite like the LP uh, for, for like one of the, the later ones, or the period ones, which way you want to look at it. But for me, yeah, this one's going through. Call Great, it. sweet, brilliant. Uh, Matt, rescued by the join, join Jazz FM bit, but still quite missable. Leon, title from Great Proggers of Andergraft Generator, not as good as Light Fireworks, but better than Northwest Fashion Show. And uh, Ezra, I don't think he said anything. Didn't he out, out about it? Ooh, he um, said it in the last one, didn't he? He did. He said, I've yeah, got nothing to say. 
What do you reckon, Philip, to this? Hmm, what do I think of this? I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. It's more listenable than it probably deserves to be, uh, given what's making it up. It's it's not particularly... Uh, it starts off with pigs snorting and Mez uh, <clears throat> doing, like, warm-up exercises. <laughs> I'm reminded of the start of... Uh, have you seen that horn blow? Is it horn? No, mind horn. The, uh, oh, yeah, the- yeah. That came out, which just starts off with him going, Bastard! 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 That was all I kept thinking at the start, really. But it's it's surprisingly listenable, given the fact I have not got a fucking clue what he's on about, really. Um, and it just it feels like I was saying, really, a bit music concrete, the whole thing. It's um uh I mean and it's 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 all right for that, that kind of thing. Um yeah, I don't really know what else to say about this one. It's it, I've been listening to a bit of um, Bernard, uh, what's his name, Parmigiani. I don't know if you ever come across him before, like uh, French. But uh, I think he was before him, but uh, but obviously a name doesn't element. ring a bell. Now is it? What is that music from? Like, uh, or yeah, kind of like early electronic music from the seventies, I guess, post sort of. Um, or maybe even contemporary Stockhausen, uh, but I, it's it's worth checking out because it it sounds quite good even now. Uh, a lot of the stuff that he did, but they're all quite short tracks. Um, so it, it's something that I'm only really dipping my toes into that that style of uh, of, of music making. But this is it's all right. There's there's plenty of these that I don't like, but this was okay. It's an interesting little audio collage, but I think as we're getting through, you know, between the two rounds, listening to it 20 or 30 times, it hasn't revealed anything more at this point. Uh, and if anything, I've I've become more annoyed by the fact of Mez singing essentially quite a straightforward vocal over a uh, video. Do back in track? Yeah, basically, I would have liked him to do something like we done more on Panzer or post nearly a bit more spoken word or something that was more in keeping with the with the the music tim has no time for this surely i was listening to a bit of that spoken word stuff the other day actually there's one that he does is it eleni who's who's reading some bits in it must be on panda panda panza actually it's really good the layering's really good on it Hmm. all right what's he put nice bit of collage uh but not exactly essential is it it's the kind of thing where you hear it and then forget everything about it two seconds after it ends, except for the impression of Mez going, no, 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 no. I basically did it to force Stuart to vote for the joke. So let's see how that plan worked. <laughs> uh, which way is Stuart going on this? <laughs> Mad men. <laughs> One and a half. <laughs> joke zero. Oh, so he's gone for Mad Men. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, I'm going you for the joke. I, uh, I bet you, Phil. Yeah, I'm going to go the joke. Yeah. I Max has gone for the joke as well. Um, what about you, Alistair? I've already called it Mad Men. You have, haven't you? Mad Men. Mad Men. It's close. And if Ezra's made himself clear, but he hasn't, has he? He split his vote because he's basically said both of them should go out. So I'm counting that as a split vote. And as we don't have a Michael E., that puts um, the joke on 3.5 and Mad Men on 3.5. So the joke does indeed go through. So that is uh, Distilled Mug Art, The Classical, and Mad uh, and The Joke uh, gone through into round three. And we say goodbye to Das Caterer, Twister, <clears throat> and Mad Maggie. Well, we got through it, lads. It, you know, it, it was a minefield. 
but um I'm sure it just gets easier from this this point on. Uh, <laughs> play us out with that. We don't have to talk about those songs ever. No. Oh, um, <laughs> let's let's finish by playing the entire Krishna Guru Murphy interview. Just on the way. Actually, can we play some tracks off your Banger album? Which one? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have to decide: Are we going to do a non-fall next week, or we're going to we're just going to have the week off? I'll let I'll uh, have a think. And if you want to do it, we can do a non-fall Christmas episode. Um, but, I'll uh, do it. Should we do a non-fall Christmas episode? Let's um, do it. We can just chuck in our favourite Christmas oddities. Exactly. Anything wintry, seasonal, Christmassy. Makes it, um, it makes it a bit easier in the long run, doesn't it? <laughs> no, that says that'll be fun. So uh get get gathering and uh maybe we'll see if any of our buddies want to join us and throw in some of their favorite Christmas tunes. I'll play this song to see us out and um all the best, everyone. This is probably the last thing just going it just before Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for supporting yeah, us. We just I think we just hit twenty-five thousand downloads across all our episodes, which is pretty good for such a wow. small, small <laughs> fry organization. Now is it to you, Al? Nothing. You get millions of TikToks every day. I do. I don't even, I didn't. <laughs> 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 We're gonna have to